Hello and welcome back to another episode of Bite Size Cinema. I'm your host RJ McCready and for this episode I'm going to be taking you guys back to the year in 1977 to look at the classic space epic movie, the big blockbuster from 1977, that's right it's going to be Star Wars. So let's fire up the ship, let's go to that cantina bar on Tantui, let's play as a trailer and I'll see you guys soon. 20th Century Fox and George Lucas bring you an adventure unlike anything on your planet. Star Wars. Stop that ship! I'd forgotten how much I hate space travel. Here they come. You're coming in too fast! The story of a boy, a girl, and a universe. Help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. You're my only hope. It's a big, sprawling space saga of rebellion and romance. This station is now the ultimate power in the universe. Come with you to Alderaan. There's nothing for me here now. I want to learn the ways of the Force and become a Jedi like my father. It's a spectacle, light years ahead of its time. It's an epic of heroes. Good luck. Hit the accelerator. And villains. <laughs> and aliens from a thousand worlds. Go that way. You'll be malfunctioning within a day, you near-sighted scrap pile. Star Wars. A billion years in the making. The Force will be with you. Always. And welcome back guys. So the synopsis for this film is Luke Skywalker joins forces with a Jedi Knight, a cocky pilot, a Wookiee and two droids to save the galaxy from the Empire's world-destroying battle station, while also attempting to rescue a Princess Leia from the mysterious Darth Vader. It's got 121 minute runtime, it's a PG and it's classed as an action-adventure fantasy. It was written and directed by George Lucas who was just starting out his directing career at this time and he just previously directed a film called American Graffiti which also starred Harrison Ford who's in this movie as one of the big players. And then after the success of Star Wars Lucas would then go on to produce uh, Indiana Jones Raiders of the Lost Ark with Steven Spielberg which is another iconic franchise so Lucas was having a ball in the late 70s early 80s. And then talking about someone who was having a ball at this time in the sort of late 70s, early 80s is John Williams who did the magnificent soundtrack to this movie. And 
another iconic composer. I mean, he did the music to E.T., which was a smash hit around about this time. Indiana Jones, Raiders of the Lost Ark. And then before this, he did Jaws. The guy was on fire. It's just, he's iconic. You know his stuff, his music is magnificent. So you could say that there was a golden age of cinema going on around about this time. But before I go into talking about the production of Star Wars, just to talk about the cast and who was in this film. So the film stars some legendary actors and some new actors who would become iconic. So I start with the legends. You've got Peter Cushion in this film, who is the legendary Hammer Horror guy. He plays the villainous Tarkin in this film. You've got um, Alec Guinness. I think he already had about 150 acting credits to his name here. He's more famous for being in the bridge on the river Kauai. And he plays Obi-Wan Kenobi. And then you've got Mark Hamill, who does a great job as Luke Skywalker. The iconic Harrison Ford, who plays Han Solo. Carrie Fisher as Princess Leia. Anthony Daniels as C-3PO. Kenny Baker as R2-D2. Uh, Peter Mayu as Chewbacca. And David Prowse as Darth Vader. And I'm also going to give a shout out to Dennis Lawson who plays Red 2 as Wedge Artilles and he's probably one of the coolest X-Wing pilots who's going to be your best wingman when you're fighting the Death Star. And a little bit of trivia there because I will get into this later on but he's actually the, um, he's an uncle to Ewan McGregor who would later go on to play Obi-Wan Kenobi. So there he goes, a little bit, chuck a little bit of trivia in there just for now so <laughs> I'll get into that later on. So there you go guys, there's uh, the director, the actors, the film composer. And it's worth mentioning now that this film had a $11 million budget back in 19, probably 1976 when this was made. So it's probably a modest budget back then, but then it would go on to make $775 million. This film blew it out of the water. And it would later go on to spawn a massive franchise which goes on till today. It spawned the Lucasfilms production. Uh, you had some groundbreaking special effects with the industrial light and magic. And then just to top that, Disney would then go on to buy Lucasfilms from Mr. Lucas for $2.1 billion in cash. There you go. So he hasn't done too bad, Mr. Lucas, but... What I'm just about to go on to now is the production of Star Wars and back in the early 70s the road to making Star Wars was an unsteady one for Mr Lucas who actually thought that this film was going to flop and he didn't really think anybody was going to like it so I'll talk about that right now. So back in the very early 70s George Lucas is just starting out as a film director writer who's very keen to try and make a movie and he wanted to make Flash Gordon and he tried to obtain the rights from Hollywood but they wouldn't release them. He even asked for help through Francis Ford Coppola who made The Godfather and Apocalypse Now and he was still unsuccessful in trying to obtain the rights so he went away and he penned a small independent sci-fi movie called THX1138 which was a kind of bleak sci-fi film he said it wasn't really what he wanted to do but it kind of got him onto the block and then he would go on to write and direct American Graffiti which did a little bit better at the box office. This then got him on a few more runs of the ladder into Hollywood and whilst he was climbing this ladder slowly in Hollywood and directing these films and just trying to make a name for himself he was writing Star Wars. 
and Star Wars was based on the old Japanese samurai films and like the Merlin stories. He he was making a space opera with all those mythical themes from like say Excalibur, the samurais and Star Wars actually parallels a 1958 um, samurai movie called The Hidden Fortress which is about two peasants which uh, agree to rescue a woman from a fortress who turns out to be a princess. So there you go, there's a few echoes of Star Wars there with that. And Luke Skywalker was originally supposed to be called Luke Skykiller and he was he was originally going to be an older character like um, Obi-Wan Kenobi. And Han Solo and Chewie were supposed to be a couple of, um, well Han Solo particularly was going to be an alien, a green alien. So there was some different ideas being toyed around with before we actually got to the final movie and George Lucas actually had the whole story written out for the, the actual prequels which we got later on and all the other movies after this including Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi but he made Star Wars as a standalone movie that's why after the success of Star Wars they changed the title and turned it into A New Hope and then that's why you get the um, iconic screen introduction at the beginning of the film. So along with a script and a screenplay Lucas would go round to all the studios, Universal, United Artists, even Disney. Um, they all turned it down except 20th Century Fox they gave him a break. They gave him 11 million dollars to go and make this film and it is an incredible story guys I'm just sort of tipping the top of the iceberg here but generally what the general consensus I'm getting here from Lucas is that he wasn't sure I think he got a little bit overwhelmed um, he went to the Tunisia Pinewood Studios to go and make this film and even when he was making it he was still thinking is anybody really gonna like this film he's thinking it's I'm not sure if it's I'm not sure now whether <laughs> I'm actually making a decent sci-fi movie I think everybody's gonna laugh at me but along the way, I think he had some great support. He had some great guys with the special effects and all that. And, you know, John Williams to help him out with the score. Um, Harrison Ford got the role over Kurt Russell. That's worth just mentioning there. Could have been Kurt Russell as Han Solo. But George Lucas hired his carpenter, the guy that was putting the shelves into his office at the time. And you cut forward to 1977 the summer of 1977 it's been finally cut this film's been put together Lucas has gone I can't stand the pressure I'm gonna have to go to Hawaii I, I can't I, I think I might be embarrassed because people aren't gonna like this film so go to Hawaii with Steven Spielberg and they're sat on the beach and whilst he's sat there going oh is my film gonna be any good Spielberg's going now oh, I've got this idea for a film called Indiana Jones <laughs> And they're penning indie while Star Wars is at the cinema and then boom, it explodes. It was epic and you know it guys, I don't even have to say it, but Star Wars spawned a massive franchise, had a massive return, everybody loved the film. And then, it, this is worth mentioning as well, there was a little toy market called Kenner. Now this is the other thing, um, Lucas wanted toys to be made for the film. He went to Mattel, they're the guys who made the toys and the um, successful cartoon series of He-Man. They turned it down, they didn't think the film was going to be a success. Kenner took it on, they put a few figures together, but because this film went boom, Kenner couldn't 
accommodate the market. They couldn't produce these toys enough. So then you had the empty box campaign. So they're basically giving children an empty box saying that this box will guarantee you a figure in about three months time when we can actually produce these toys. But people were still buying the toys, still, still you know, sold with the idea, kids loved it. And to this day, those toys are expensive. You know, you, you buy them online, they're worth a lot of money and they're iconic. So all in all, George Lucas was worrying about nothing. But God bless him. God bless him, man. He had this idea. He wasn't cocky about it. And that's what I like about it. I still can't forgive him for Kingdom of the Crystal Scroll. I won't go into that. But, you know, to be fair to him, he spawned a great franchise, which we all know and love. And um, personally, A New Hope is actually my favourite Star Wars. Empire's epic. I get whilst that is the favourite. It is an epic Star Wars film. Return of the Jedi. Um, but there's something about A New Hope. I don't know what it is. Um, I think ultimately it's, it's because it was made as a standalone film. So again, I always say this. I always pick a film. If someone come up to me and said, RJ, I've never seen a Star Wars movie. I'd say, just go and watch A New Hope. Um... Out of all of them, watch that one. That is your, it's, it's your building block for the franchise. It's um, just got everything in it. And I think if Star Wars didn't do very well, I think this would still be like a great iconic film. Um, and the only other film of recent times which I think captured the new hope was um, Rogue One. I really felt like they just answered that sort of fan request, certainly from someone like myself, say finally someone's made a Star Wars movie where they're kind of just delving into those characters in the cantina bar thinking oh they're cool characters wouldn't mind seeing a little bit more about them and I think the Mandalorian's doing the same as well I haven't seen the Mandalorian but what I'm hearing from the fans is good stuff you know going back to that sort of gritty Star Wars um, from from A New Hope and like an Empire so um, but all in all uh, I would say that there's probably something for everybody in the franchise and people probably have their favourites and stuff like that. So there you go, guys. That is, that's really the tip of the iceberg for um, Star Wars from me. It's um, There's a lot more online trivia-wise. It's, it's amazing. It's great stuff. If you get a little bit of time, go and, go and read it. If, if you're a fan, you probably already read it. But um, that is a build-up of how we got to Star Wars and the hope... So let's have a look at a bite-sized review of Star Wars. So in a galaxy far, far away, rebel spies have stolen plans to the Galactic Empire's Death Star. And Princess Leia, who is a secret rebel leader, is trying to get away from an Imperial Star Destroyer. And you get that iconic scene where it comes onto the screen. The Star Destroyer intercepts their ship and you get a battle between the rebels and the stormtroopers to where one of the stormtroopers accidentally bumps his head as he comes on board but they overpower the ship princess leia tries to get away there's no hope in that so she puts the plans to the death star into two of the iconic robots r2d2 and C-3PO, along with the plans escape the ship in a garbage unit and go to the planet of tantooine and whilst they're escaping, this is where you get introduced to the iconic bad guy, Darth Vader, who comes on board the ship and he captures Princess Leia and takes her back to the Death Star where he tries to interrogate her for the plans. And it's worth mentioning that um, 
That is voiced by James Earl Jones, which I forgot to mention earlier. And the guy under the suit is David Prowse, who famously played the Green Cross Roadman on TV back in the 70s. He was keeping us safe on the roads. So there you go, it's just a little bit of trivia there. And then back on Tantooine, you've got our hero droids who are walking across the desert and they come across some Jawas who are some salvage hunting dudes which pick up droids and sell them and make money out of it. And this is where their paths cross with Luke Skywalker and his Uncle Owen who are purchasing droids and buying salvage. And because Skywalker's uncle needs someone to translate a language for him, he purchases C-3PO leaving R2 behind, but because old Red One, another droid that blows up, he says, yeah, I'll take R2 as well. So they join Luke Skywalker and share some stories about the rebels and the battles with the Imperial Empire. Luke then goes to fix R2 and whilst he's doing this, he um, activates a message from Princess Leia and this is where she famously comes out and says that I'm trapped, um, I've given you these two droids and Obi-Wan Kenobi, you are my only hope. And then when he hears Obi-Wan, he believes that that might be his uncle who lives up in the uh, sand dunes. So Luke being curious that his uncle is Obi-Wan, he goes to visit him. But along the way, he comes across the sand people who give him a bit of a punch up. He gets knocked out. But along the way to help him out is Obi-Wan. He turns up in his Jedi outfit, which you don't know about right at this time. He rescues Skywalker and the droids. Poor old 3PO has his hand chopped off, but then he gets that fixed. And this is where Luke finds out that his uncle is a bad-ass Jedi who fought in the Clone Wars. And he presents him now the iconic lightsaber, the blue lightsaber. And he says to him that you now have to go to Alderaan to learn the ways of the Jedi. Luke has his big break, but he says that I can't go because I've got to you know, do some jobs for my uncle. And then this is where Obi-Wan Kenobi comes out. And this is like a Jedi thought. And he says, well, of course, you must do what you feel is right. So Luke goes back to his ranch. But unfortunately, his auntie and uncle have been killed by the stormtroopers. His ranch has been taken out. And now Luke says to Obi-Wan Kenobi, I must go to Alderaan to learn the ways of the Force. And to do this, they've got to go to Mos Heisley to find themselves some transportation and a pilot to get to Alderaan. And this is where the film kind of takes off for me because you get that kind of slow burn up till now, which I think is clever writing from Lucas because he has basically told you the whole plot of this story. You've got a princess that needs rescuing. She's got plans to the Death Star. The Death Star destroys worlds. And then you've got the backstory of the Jedi fighting in the Clone Wars. You've got a little bit about uh, Luke's dad, which he doesn't know is his father, obviously, at this time. So you've basically got everything. You know what's going on in this film. And now the film presents you, uh, which I would say is the heart of the movie, which is Han Solo and Chewie. So Skywalker, for me, is always the engine of this film. He's driving that along. But then you've got Han and Chewie that turn up now, iconically, in the cantina bowl. And it's just, it's great from here onwards. So they go into the cantina bowl, the droids aren't allowed in, it's quite a funny scene. No droids in here, so they've got to wait outside. Luke's waiting at the bar. You get some dude go up to him and says, I don't like you. And he doesn't like you either, and he sort of announces that, you know, he's killed all these people in the galaxy. 
Then Obi-Wan comes over and says, look, this kid doesn't want any harm. Just mind your own business. <laughs> and then this like dude turns around and he tries to have a fight with Obi-Wan. This way he gets the lightsaber out and he chops his arm off, which is pretty horrific, actually. But it's a cool scene. It just shows how badass Obi-Wan is. And he turns around and says, pretty much says without saying, does anybody else want to fight? And then he puts it away, and then that's it, end of. And then everybody just goes back to drinking, and the old band sort of come back on and do, 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 do. <laughs> It's great. And then you're introduced to Han Solo and Chewbacca, and he's explaining that he is the captain of the Millennium Falcon, where Luke Skywalker then comes out and says, I've never heard of that ship. And then Han Solo goes, it's the ship that made the Kessel Run at 12 parsecs, kid. And then Luke goes, oh, I don't want any of this. He says, look, we can find our own ship. And then Han says, well, who's going to fly it? And then Luke starts getting a bit bullshit and saying, well, I'm not a bad pilot myself. And then Obi-Wan cuts in and says, look, I'll give you 12,000 centons or whatever they call the money in, in Star Wars and then 17,000 later and that. And then he says, take us to Alderaan with no questions asked. So... Han agrees, his sister Chewie says, you know, this may really save my skin. He says, I'll meet you at the hangar. And then he, before he goes to the hangar, this is where he has that iconic scene with Greedo. And this is how you see how badass Han is. And he basically says, look, tell Jabba I've got his money. Which is obviously a backstory that he's got there, which leads on to the Empire Strikes Back. Because Greedo says, you know, if you don't give him his money, I'm going to get every bounty hunter in the galaxy to look, up, look for you. And then Han says, yeah, I bet he will. And then obviously he just shoots. And then there's that whole debate whether Han Solo shoot, shot first. There's a lot of fan theories out there. I'll leave it up to you. But then you've got that iconic scene where he goes to the Millennium Falcon. And this uh, scene was actually cut out from the original where he actually meets Jabba. And he says to Jabba, look, Jabba, I've, I've, got, I've got your money. I just need to do this last run. And he comes out and says something funny. He says, look... You're a wonderful human being, Jabba. Which, when you hear Han say that, that's actually true because Jabba is actually supposed to be a human being. He was supposed to be like a kinpin from Tantooine, which you see in Return of the Jedi, but they changed it to him being this massive uh, slug-like creature. So it's just a little bit of a change there. But I'm glad they put that scene back into it. It just sort of makes that, just ties that in with Empire. So Han is setting up the Millennium Falcon, but they've got the Stormtroopers hot on their tail. But before they get on board, this is where Han iconically comes out and says, It don't look much, kid, but it's got it where it counts. And then, as you're just about to get on board, you get all the Stormtroopers coming in, you get a firefight here, it's a pretty cool scene. Han runs on, he's going, Chewie, fire up! And he gets on board the seat, and they fly out from Mos Eisley, and it's a cool scene where he's, oh, they fly over the Stormtroopers. And then they go into outer space. They're whilst on their way to Alderaan and Han saying, well, don't thank me all at once, you know. Um, you've got that great board game of the Wookiee playing with those little creatures. And this is where Han says, you know, don't mess about with the Wookiee because he will rip you apart. And then Luke is playing with the lightsaber. He's putting on the mask with the blast sheet. And he's just learning the ways of the Force. And this is where Han says... Oh, it's just all a load of hocus pocus. No one's involved with my destiny. And then this is where Obi-Wan Kenobi says, well, I'm not sure about that. And then it cuts to a scene back onto the Death Star where 
General Tark is talking to Princess Lee and he's trying to get out from her where the uh, rebel base is. She doesn't tell him and then he says, look, I'm going to show you the power of the Death Star and then he blows up Alderaan. And at this point in the movie you realise how powerful that is and how important it is for the rebels to get the plans. Goes back to the Millennium Falcon and Obi-Wan realises that Alderaan has been destroyed. The Falcon comes across an asteroid field and as they're flying through, this is where you get that iconic scene where Luke Skywalker comes out and says, is that a moon? And then Obi-Wan goes, that's no moon, that's a space station. And then the space station or the Death Star draws in the Millennium Falcon. You get a great scene here where it's sort of flying into the port always being taken into the port they hide in the falcon the stormtroopers come on board they can't find them and then this is where you kind of get that sort of uneasy alliance between Han Solo and Luke to say this is where the princess is and Han's basically saying look I'll rescue the princess as long as I'm going to get paid because I'm getting more than what you know I'm bargaining for here pal Luke comes up with an idea to use the stormtrooper suits to go around in disguise and make it look like they've captured the wiki. They go to the cell block. Luke goes into the cell. He sees Princess Leia and Princess Leia goes, aren't you a little bit short for a stormtrooper? And then this is where he takes his helmet off and goes, I'm Luke Skywalker. I'm here to rescue you. I'm here with Obi-Wan Kenobi. And then she goes, Obi-Wan Kenobi. And then you get this great firefight here between Han and the Stormtroopers. And then Han, very iconically, is talking to the guy on the intercom. And he says, oh, it's okay. There's a little bit of a malfunction here, but we're all right. And this is probably about as wooden as you're going to see Han Solo, because he's going, I'm okay. How are you? And it's like, yeah, what's going on down there? The intercom guy. And then Han's gone, oh, I don't know what to say. He just shoots the mic and he just goes, boring conversation anyway. And he goes, Luke, we're in trouble. <laughs> That's great. And apparently Harrison Ford purposely did not read any lines for that just to make it a little bit wooden and not really know what he's saying just to make that sort of bit of character there. So he pretty much ad-libbed that role, which is cool. So you get a pretty cool firefight here and the only way out for our heroes is through a garbage shoot. And you get Han again saying, this is a great idea, princess. Look at where you've got us. And then the garbage shoot starts to sort of the walls start to close in, there's a monster under the water. But lucky enough, Luke Skywalker's got the intercom and he manages to get R2-D2 to get them out of that sheet. And as I said earlier guys, from the moment they've met Han Solo with the Millennium Falcon, the pace of this movie is incredible. It really does move and it doesn't really halt. So once they get out of the garbage chute, you've then got Han and Chewie, they're running down the corridor and they start shooting up the Stormtroopers. They see the Millennium Falcon. And Obi-Wan creates a diversion for them to try and get to the Falcon. Our heroes split up. You've got Luke and Leia doing this iconic scene where he glides across a bridge with the stormtroopers shooting them. And then they reunite with Han and Chewie and manage to get back to the Millennium Falcon. They see that the stormtroopers are distracted and Han says, right, that's our chance, let's get to the Falcon. But as Luke Skywalker's running across, he looks over and he sees Obi-Wan fighting with Darth Vader. And Darth takes down Obi-Wan. But before this, Obi-Wan says, If you strike me down, I will become more powerful than you can ever imagine. And it's kind of like a Jedi lore, which you kind of find out a little bit more in Empire. 
Luke runs over, but then Han manages to save him and says, look, there's nothing more you can do, kid. They get on board the Falcon and they escape. But then whilst they're escaping, it doesn't hold there. You've got a squadron of TIE fighters which intercept them. And again, you've got another iconic scene where Han says, right, let's go, kid. And they get onto the uh, gun turrets and you get a great shootout here with um, the, the Falcon fighting the TIE fighters. They take out the fighters, they manage to get away and Hun is beginning to realise that Luke Skywalker can hold his own. He says, look, you know, after all this, if you want a job, you can have it. And he's also showing a little bit of love interest with uh, Princess Leia. But there's like a sort of love-hate relationship going on here with him. Princess Leia gives them the coordinates to the rebel planet of Yarin and they go to the rebel base where the rebel base is setting up for an attack on the Death Star with the X-Wings and the Y-Wings. And unknown to them, they, uh, Darth Vader put a sneaky tracking device on the Millennium Falcon to find the rebel base so time is running out. Luke now decides to help the rebels as a X-Wing pilot with R2-D2 as his companion. There's a briefing on how to destroy the Death Star with the um, Rebel plans which were stolen. And the only way to destroy it is through some photon torpedoes going down into a very tiny tiny chute to blow it up. And this is where Han Solo goes, that is a suicide mission. Let me just take my money and go. And this leads towards a altercation between Luke and Han where Luke says, well you just take your money Han, you know, thanks for helping me out but I guess that's all you really care about, isn't it? They go their separate ways, and whilst Luke is setting up his X-Wing, he comes across an old mate called Biggs, who is a friend of his from Tantooine, and he says, look, you know, I've been having some amazing adventures here with the Rebel Alliance, and I'll tell you all about all these stories later. And this leads on to probably one of the most epic final scenes in a sci-fi movie, where you've got the attack of the X-Wings fighting the Death Star and it's just amazing it's brilliant it's just when I was talking about the pace of this film it just does not stop after the rescue of Princess Leia and now this ultimate battle and even Lucas himself said that he wanted to mimic um, World War One and World War II dogfights which is exactly what you get but in space with X-Wings and TIE Fighters and you get the iconic scene where he's like Red 1 standing by, Red 5 standing by and it's just brilliant and they intercept the Death Star and you've got the TIE fighters in the gun turrets, you've got some pressure, you get the X-Wings that are getting taken out left, right and centre, you get a failed attempt on the turret to actually blow it up, the Y-Wings are getting destroyed, um, R2 gets blown out, it really is, the pressure is on and you just think how are they going to do it? And all is left behind is just a handful of Rebel Alliance, including Luke Skywalker, who says, well, I'm going to have a go at this. Even Darth Vader's got into an X-Wing to say, look, I'm going to deal with this myself. And you get that scene where Luke is going down the turret and you get Obi-Wan talking to him through like some sort of Jedi mind source. And he says, look, you know, just use the Force, Luke. And then Luke says, turns off all his equipment, and then the rebel basically going, what are you doing? You turned it off and he says, no, that's all right, trust me on this one. He just uses the force and he fires the torpedoes and it all works. But before he does that, you think Han has sold out on him. He comes back, the Millennium Falcon comes behind Darth Vader, takes him out. 
And this is where you get Han Solo go, woohoo, great shot kid, that was one in a million. And then with the very few remaining X-Wings and Y-Wings of the Millennium Falcon, they fly away to the backdrop of the Death Star blowing up. And there you go, you get that ultimate final scene there. But before the film closes, you get that iconic scene where our heroes are awarded medals and they're walking down the aisle to collect their medals and you've got the John Williams music in the background. The droids have been polished up. Hung gives Leah a little bit of a wink and Luke Skywalker has finally become the hero that he wanted to be at the beginning of the movie. And then the film closes with the iconic Star Wars song. So there you go. That is it, guys. That is Star Wars 1977, the iconic movie that it is. And I think that's all the love I can share for that movie, guys. Um, it's a great film. I love watching it. I never get bored with it. I don't watch it all the time, but when it's on, I'll sit down and watch it. And I suppose the other thing to mention here is the actual... Um, what else spawned from Star Wars? All the other films, some good, some bad. When I talk about bad, you had Star Crash. <laughs> Crazy movie. Um, but you had other films like um, Battle Beyond the Stars that came out after this. That's a good film. And films like The Last Starfighter. So it made an impression in the sci-fi world. It was bound to, so there you go. Um, but that's it, guys. Um... Need I have to say, go check this film out because I have no doubt all you guys have seen Star Wars. This is just my take on it. If you just want to listen to me talk about this film for about half an hour or so. If you're walking your dog or on a commute or something like that. Okay, so um, hopefully I have entertained you with that. So um, that's it, guys. I will be back soon. Uh, what's the next film I'm going to be doing? Um, oh, it's going to be Sahara from 2005. I think it's a great film. Personally, it didn't do very well critically or commercially, but I'm a fan of the genre. It's treasure hunting, so <laughs> it's it's Indiana Jones-ish. I'm always going to love that. So look out for that. That'll be coming soon. And as always, a um, little bit of admin. I'm a proud member of the Legion Podcast Network, so go, go and check out all the other shows on there. There's some great shows on there. I'll play a promo at the end. And if you want to find Bite Size Cinema, I'm on iTunes, I'm on YouTube and some other players on, on the internet. So um, check it out. Um, so yeah, that's it guys. Keep it bite size, keep it safe and I'll see you soon. Oh and may the force be with you always. See you later. show then make sure you check out the other great shows on the legion podcast network like cinema psyops cinema beef devour the podcast duncan and Bo come correct exploding heads horror movie podcast friday the 13th get slayed the hell Ming power hour hello this is the doom show hero hero ghost show kill the cast underwater kaiju from outer space jerry hates action legion after dark mental health 
obsessive cinema discourse pick six movies the podcast by the cemetery the podcast on haunted hill the psycho semantic podcast rick radio house of wax dude looks like the 80s rabbit and red radio the shade cast short bus cinema two drink minimum commentaries the vd clinic who will survive horror podcast and which versus the doomsday clock with such a widespread of shows there is guaranteed to be a niche for you to fall in love with Horror, politics, movies, books, sex, music, commentaries, health, video games, kaiju, action, news, comedy, and opinions that would most likely get you killed in some parts of the world. We are proud to bring you some of the best podcasting in the world. Check us out at www.legionpodcast.com, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, YouTube, and any other dark corner of the internet where podcasts can be found.